0: I've said this quite often um, on the podcast and just anyone I talk to about traveling. And it was a quote that I found. I don't even know where, but they said there's two types of travelers, those who have been to India and those who haven't. <laughs> and I think that I,
1: I was like, oh. I've never heard of that. But yeah, that makes sense. This is
0: the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, Episode 216. Alcatraz was the only federal prison to offer hot water showers at the time of its closing, in 1963. And this was supposedly to prevent prisoners from acclimating to the cold temperatures of the San Francisco Bay if they tried to escape. If it was just a little cold water holding you back from escaping, you probably didn't really want to escape anymore. There are some amazing cities out there in the world. In fact, there aren't just some amazing cities. There are a lot of amazing cities out there. And I will try to name drop every single one that I've been to on this episode. Don't worry. But no matter what city I'm going to, or even if it's not a city, maybe it's a village, maybe it's a town, maybe it's just a region. I always travel with my Tortuga backpack. It is the backpack that comes around the world with me. I've been using it for the last three years. I absolutely love it. It is the perfect size. It is big enough to fit everything that I need, but small enough to still be considered carry-on by the airline. So if you're looking for the perfect carry-on size backpack, the one that I take with me all over the world, check out tortugabackpacks.com. And don't forget, we have a special promo code just for EPOP listeners. All you have to do when you check out is put in the discount code EPOP. That's E-P-O-P, all capital letters, and that will get you 10% off your entire order. hello travel nerds and welcome to the extra pack of peanuts travel podcast the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is someone who no matter how much I travel, I can never seem to catch up to and who, I hate to admit this, Nick, will most likely always be better traveled than me, my great friend, my fellow travel
1: lover, Nick Hirsch. Hey, Trev. Happy to join, and I'm happy for the deferential comments, although I don't believe them for a second.
0: I, you know, I think you just had too much of a head start. Um, That's true.
1: That's very true. You
0: were going everywhere as like not not just as a kid. Your parents did take you a, a decent amount of places when you were young, right?
1: Yeah. No, we went to Europe a lot when I was a kid. We managed to have a lot of friends there. So that that really helped.
0: But then you really... It was funny because I remember when you said that you were going to Vancouver because we went to high school together. And when you said you were going to University of British Columbia for university, i this is so funny for me to think now, but I literally thought that you were going to the other side of the world. Like Yeah, it
1: kind of felt like it too. Like I I'd never even been to Vancouver before. Um, so it totally felt like it at the time.
0: Yeah, at that point in my like 17 18 year old mind, I just thought what does he mean? Like he's going to Vancouver. Like I didn't even I mean I knew it was in Canada, but it, it seemed so far to me, which is funny for us to say now because obviously Canada is very much like America. We've been a lot of other places, but did that really kind of kickstart your travel? Like when did your travel kickstart into high gear? Because every time I talk to you, even though we stay in touch a decent amount, I just feel like any country I mention you're like, "Oh yeah, I was there in early 2000s or late 90s or whatever. You're always you've always been
1: somewhere." And I think, well, I think uh, going to Vancouver changed my perspective because you know, we're from the same like suburbs of Philadelphia and everyone's very similar there to a large extent. And going to Vancouver and feeling like I was worldly going there and blah, blah, blah. And I got there and realized that, like, you know, my best friend was a Norwegian kid who'd grown up living in Southeast Asia, um, going to different high schools because his dad worked for an oil company. And there are a ton of people like that who, you know, I was from Pennsylvania and that was boring. And there were all these people with all of these crazy international lives. I think that sort of opened my eyes to things, and, and that really kick-started things.
0: Yeah, because you really, I mean, I wouldn't have even said that, like, I didn't really even start traveling to the extent that I do now until I was, you know, I guess really until I moved to Switzerland when I was 26, and, you know, we're talking that's been seven years now, so... I have a lot of catching up to do because um, I mean, not that we're country counting because I don't even know what the number is, but I you just have such a wealth of travel experience.
1: Well, and I think the foreign service is awesome for that too, obviously because you're living overseas and you're traveling places. But it's one of those things where you come in and all of a sudden, like you know people who've lived everywhere and are like very happy to go and live in like the Central African Republic for two years, and it really sort of skews your mind internationally. I think.
0: Yeah. And I think no matter how much we travel, it's never going, like it can never be enough. You know, there's always going to be people like you say, oh, they're living in Central Africa Republic for two years. I will probably never do that. So I'll never even be able to, <laughs> even if I travel there, Yeah, I won't ever have the same experience. Like to me, it's like, how can I fit all these experiences in?
1: Yeah, and Because it, it's I, really you hard. You just get addicted. Yeah. yeah. And you just want to do more and more. And, you know, I think once it's bitten you, it, it, it stays for life.
0: Yeah, I don't think you can ever fill it up. Like I get the question all the time like when are you going to be done traveling? It's like, um, I don't even I can't answer that. There is no answer for me. I'll I'll be done traveling when I catch you. That's when I'll be done <laughs> <Yeah>. traveling. So <laughs> well, if you keep traveling, I gotta keep traveling. How about we hold each other accountable? I don't think you know, the competitiveness
1: hard. will keep us going.
0: <laughs> so we actually just got done recording an episode on European countries ranked by their food just a few moments ago, um, which has come out, um, previous to this one. So if you haven't listened to that, go check that out. That was a really fun episode to record. Kind of the shame or the irony of it all, though, we just got done talking about all these awesome countries and their food. And then we both, we hopped off Skype so we could go get something to eat because we were hungry. <laughs> and I went down and I ate a cold piece of chicken.
1: Yeah, I had coffee and pretzels. So it's you talk about the meals of your life and then go and eat, you know, a, a cold piece of chicken. Oh, That's, that says it all.
0: It's awful because despite the fact that I love eating, I don't like cooking and I also am really bad at it. So luckily Heather's pretty good. But she's a little under the weather. I'm not going to make her cook for me or anything like that. So, yeah, there was chicken in the fridge that I cooked on a salt block. So it makes it a little better. If you ever need regular chicken to taste good, cook it on a salt block because – then it has a salty flavor and it's decent. But we're just talking about the best pizza in the world and and all this stuff and then a little underwhelming. But Nick, you've been on a few other shows. So if anyone listening is interested, you talked about being in the foreign service and a diplomat. Episode 83, check that out. Uh, Nick dives into what it is actually like being a U.S. diplomat and what life is like and the opportunities that you have and how to join, basically everything you need to know. So if you're someone who loves traveling and you're looking for a career in that. Um, Probably very few careers other than maybe travel blogger and podcaster that allow you to travel in that way. And we also did the European countries ranked by their food. And we did another episode on the best destinations in Europe in the winter, which is episode 110. So you guys can check them out. Today, what we're going to do, and this is going to be split into two episodes. I already know that. Sometimes we go in not thinking we'll be. We're going to talk a lot. We're going to give you our top ten cities in the world. So on this episode, we'll count down from ten to to number six for both of our lists. So we're going to give you twenty cities overall, and then in the second half, we will be giving you then five down to one. And this was excruciating for me, Nick.
1: Yeah, I, I believe that.
0: I, you know, the the European cities or the European countries ranked by food wasn't that hard. I I would guess that I probably spent over an hour, looking at these cities, re-ranking them, and actually saying to Heather, like, I just, I know no one else cares, but I can't decide what's number five. And uh, it was pretty brutal. Did you have a difficult time ranking your cities?
1: I I did, but I think I, I did for other reasons. Like, I, I, It was hard for me to come up with 10, actually. Um, Interesting. I, I, I think I, I set the bar too high. Okay. Um, so, and I, I wanted... You know, I, for me, so much of travel is more than just like a fun place to be with good food and blah blah blah. Even though that's that's obviously a big part of it, I, I, a lot there's a number of places on here that I might not have enjoyed at the time, but in retrospect, I'm very happy I was there. Um, And it was hard to sort of wrap my head around that, I think.
0: Okay. So you took a... Yeah, that's a very different viewpoint than normal. And that's why I really like these lists because there is no right or wrong answer, right? Um, Right. As much as we like to say like, no, this city's number one. You know, this is just our answers and we it is open to debate. It's certainly... It's supposed to be controversial. So let us know. You can tweet us at Pack of Peanuts. What are your favorite cities in the world? You can leave comments on the show notes, which you can find at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. So my mindset was different in that... What I did is I just started listing and this is funny, what I always have to do is I have to like look at a map or else I forget like large chunks of places that I've been, which is I guess is a very good problem to have. Like boo-hoo, right? Like, yeah. And um and I just started listing all the, the cities that I had been to and then kind of fleshing it, it, it out that way. So I have a list of like thirty cities that, that came to mind that I'm like, okay, you know, I, I liked these. Um, and then I started ranking on it that way. Before we get into the ones that we that that are our top ten, are there any on here? And we talked about this in the food episode. Like Venice is a great example where we were totally underwhelmed, and our expectations were definitely not met. Are there any cities that you had been to that would definitely not be anywhere close to your top ten list because they, for whatever reason, either you came in with high expectations it didn't meet it, or you just you just didn't enjoy the city.
1: I'm fairly optimistic about places, especially in memory. So there's a lot of places that I might not have, you know, really enjoyed at the time or like kind of enjoyed, but they didn't really live up to what I'd hoped. Um, So like, for instance, I love Singapore and, I think it's awesome. It's got everything going for it. The food's great. The people are great. There's a lot of interesting things to see, but there's just no edge to it. There's, so there's no, no
0: culture. Like, yeah. Or, so there's
1: no, not no culture, no edge. You're right. Yeah. There's just nothing that would. I mean, I especially you know like living in a, in like India, I was very happy to go to Singapore, but there was <laughs> right. nothing that would ever really draw me back there unless it you know sort of necessity and being nearby kind of thing.
0: Right. Okay. So Singapore for you, yeah, and and that is what kind of what I'm getting at because I I like you. There's even if I'm underwhelmed by a place, I usually come back. I'm like, you know, I'm glad I went. But there are some cities that I just yeah I'll give them to you and I'll kind of explain them and and then you can talk about some of yours. I mean, the one place that I was most over underwhelmed with in my life that I've ever been is Penang, Malaysia. This is kind of an area, but. Um, I just, you know, it was the end of a backpacking trip. Uh, our first backpacking trip, it rained all the time. It wasn't a quaint town like I thought it was going to be. It was more like a falling down town um, <laughs> as opposed to like people like, oh, it's like a quaint colonial town. I'm like, yeah, the one building that's restored is nice. The other ones are like, you know, flop houses. So didn't love Penang. Shanghai and Beijing, again, glad I went. I feel maybe the same way you do about Singapore as with Shanghai and Beijing. I'm glad I went and saw it, but I... And there's cool stuff and I guess I am optimistic. Like if you put me down there, I'd be happy to like explore more, but I wouldn't that would not be anywhere close to the top of my list. Like the smog and pollution were really tough to deal with and I just didn't love it. It was too they were too big.
1: Yeah. And I, I think for me too, there's a lot of places where I really liked the country and I liked the experience there, but like the city, you know, it's sort of like what you're saying with, with Penang. Like it's there's there's just, there's an area that you like, but it's not, you know, it's it's a hard thing to wrap your head around what it was you actually liked, I guess, if that makes sense. Like, I love Jordan, and I would go back to Jordan in a heartbeat, but Amon meant nothing to me, you right. know? So, it's hard. Yeah, it's all
0: ex- experience-based, and that's why it's fun to make these lists and hear what the other people's answers are, because I have no idea what your answers are going to be. I would also throw on my on that, like, underwhelmed or or... I don't know. Definitely not on my top 10 list is the only way I could say, would be Milan. I oh. I I just, there's so many awesome places in Italy that are actually on my list that Milan holds nothing for me. I just find it to be, I mean, it's not like Southern Italy and I just don't really enjoy it. Um, yeah. And Paris, which huh. I love... And hate Paris. And I couldn't put it on my top 10 because I've had really good experiences and really bad experiences. And I think for me, one of the reasons it's not on my top 10 is it's just so expensive that it's hard for me to have a good time. <laughs> you know how cheap I am, Nick, and so does no. everyone else. So
1: it's, yeah, no, Paris, especially. Like I, I had been to France a lot as a kid, but I'd never been to Paris until I was probably in college. And I remember hearing it from everybody I went to college with, like, oh, Paris is lovely. And I specifically remember this girl I went to college with describing Paris as, like, musical. And just, like, the sort of facetious crap you hear about Paris was enough to make me never want to go there. And then as soon as I went there, I was like, oh, my God, this is the greatest city on Earth. I mean, it's not on my list, but there is there is something magical about that city that I absolutely love. Um, but at the same time, like, I'm in the Foreign Service. Paris will be it's an option at certain points in my career i think and i don't think we'd ever go there i think it's it's there's something about it that i totally love but there's something you're right that yeah. just yeah
0: paris for me is the outlier on on this little mini list because it is somewhere I'd go back. Like, it's different than those other four that I mentioned. Um, but yeah, I, I guess it's more that I don't like it as much as other people. Like, if you did a top 10 cities in the world list for most people, and they've been to Paris, like, Paris would be on there. For me, I don't like it as much as other people. I guess that's kind of what I'm trying to say now that we're, like, 30 minutes into this podcast. <laughs> not really. But um, those are ones that are on my definitely not on my top 10, kind of ones that, that were I wanted to pick out and highlight. Are there any other than Singapore for you, that that are unique in that way
1: i think vancouver i mean i went to college there i love it out there but it's there's something missing and i haven't been there for over 10 years now so i mean i i can't really speak about it very well but yeah there i think maybe it is missing that edge i don't know i'd love to go back i'd love to check it out again and it's one of those cities that everyone generally loves
0: yeah i i I would say the same for me with Vancouver, all right, those are my deaf not lists and and your kind of your outliers. I then kind of went through and made a list of all the cities that I thought could be on the top ten so 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 we'll call these like the honorable honorable mentions, so these are ones that didn't even make honorable mentions, and everyone knows I love just like basically name dropping anywhere I've been and talking about it um, but the ones that didn't even make the honorable mention Vancouver's on there like again, liked it. Uh, didn't love it as much as other people. Um, Kobe in Japan is on there. Uh, Ubud in um, Indonesia and Bali is on there. Uh, it's a great place. Didn't make my top 10. Sarajevo's on there. Munich is on there, which I just think I haven't spent enough time there. It was it was fun when I was there for a couple of days. Um, Ajaccio in Corsica, oh
1: I mean, yeah, I love Ajaccio. I
0: uh, yeah, I I thought maybe it would be on your list. Um, it's not. But honorable yeah. honorable mention. CM Reap, I really like, especially mm. for Anchor Wat, but you know, just not there. Nashville and Boulder, two U.S. Ooh, cities that I yeah. actually could see myself living in. Yeah, but not on my top ten. Not even on the honorable mention because it's. I don't know. Maybe they're too good or maybe if you can live in it it's not
1: i I, actually i struggle with that with phoenix so you know marissa's from arizona her her mom lives there we go out there a lot and i love it like there's awesome food there's fantastic outdoor stuff in the middle of the city where you can just walk out the front door and walk up a mountain you know um and i could totally see myself living there or in tucson which is also awesome but it's 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 hard to think of that as like a top 10 (laughs) international city that you need to go to you know
0: right like it does everything well, but. It's not like nothing is sticking out that you're like, this is, yeah, it's not mind blowing in any way. It's just good, not great. Yeah. Okay. Um, so those are my honorable honorables. Um, I'll, I'll give you some time. Are there any honorable mentions, stuff that fell outside of your top 10 that you haven't mentioned yet that, that are close to your list.
1: Well, it, it's just things that are like sort of hard to quantify in my mind. Like I loved Australia and I loved New Zealand, but there wasn't a city that really like jumped out at me as like, Oh man, this is fantastic. You know, like I liked Sydney. I liked the whole coast and I loved Auckland, but there was nothing that was just, you know, like, man, this this is, you know, a world city that everyone needs to go to. I've heard that about Melbourne. I haven't been there, but you know, like things like that, I think for me, and there's a number of those places.
0: Interesting because I totally forgot about Australia.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so when I was it writing exists. this list, it exists.
0: <laughs> again, a good problem to have that you can't remember where you've been, but Sydney would have been an honorable, honorable mention for me. Like it's it's like, I loved it, but yeah, I don't know. For some, like it was cool, I did go back, but that's on there. Okay my honorable mentions and then and then throw in any that you want to list that didn't make your top 10 just throw in anything <laughs> that you're not <laughs> going to touch on on your top get 10 get the junk out of the way yeah, yeah. um uh, a few of mine uh hiroshima in japan i only oh, went yeah. once uh, the vibe there was really cool you've been to hiroshima right
1: yeah and i think japan it's it's and i have a japanese city on my list it's not hiroshima but i I think it's hard to find a city with with a lot of soul in Japan, you know, that has like a bit of uniqueness you can bite into, and I definitely think Hiroshima does. Um, I think Sapporo does too. Like these these sort of small, more smaller, more provincial cities that just have like a really unique culture to themselves. Yeah,
0: I had a hard time. It was weird because I've lived in Japan longer than anywhere else, other than the state, and yet a Japanese city, like you said, did not make my top ten. Yeah, because. I don't love Tokyo. I definitely don't love Osaka. Sapporo was cool. I was there for like three days. It seemed neat. Um, but yeah, there was nothing. I, I couldn't put it on my list. So the Hiroshima was my highest one there. Um, Lijiang in China. I really, really enjoyed. That's you know, you're getting out all the way out in the Yunnan province. It was really cool. But but China's a little difficult. Like I yeah. would not go back there before I went to some of these other places. Even though I really, really enjoyed it. One that I really wanted to get on my list, but it just couldn't squeeze in, was Savannah, Georgia.
1: Huh. Um, I've heard of those things. I've been there since I was a kid.
0: Yeah, I've been through like three or four times. I always love it when I go there. It's really fun. But again, yeah, I guess it's just missing something or it's not big enough or maybe I feel like I'd get bored if I lived there. I don't know. Um, I really like it, though. Uh, yeah. highly recommend. Lisbon feels hmm. the same way. I think if I spent more time there, that would move up. And then... Here's one. This is my last honorable mention. So this would be like number eleven. This was the hardest one to leave off. This is Berlin. Oh, I don't know if we're going to talk about Berlin. We
1: might, we might talk about. Okay,
0: I feel like because my goal is this summer to go and rent a place in Berlin for a month or two and use it like as a home base yeah. to, to explore Europe and stuff. I feel like Berlin has the potential because I was there for three days and loved it. To you know, if we did this after I lived in Berlin for two months, I feel like it could be at the top of the list. Like. It feels like it's there for me.
1: Yeah, I uh, I know exactly what you mean. Berlin is also one of those cities too, and I was like Milan's kind of like this. Uh, there's a few others where every time I'm there, it just feels like a totally different city. So I have a different perspective on it every time I go. The first time I went to Berlin, it was sort of similar to your trip to Penang. It was, you know, it, it was the last stop on a on a trip, and it just felt like too much. I didn't really like it. And the next time I went, I liked it a little bit more. Anyway, we'll get into it. But okay. I uh, I really like Berlin, but it took me some time.
0: Spoiler alert: We'll get yeah. into Berlin a little more. Um, is there any other? That's an interesting point that the city seems to change, and, and I've I've seen that in a few cities as well. Are there other ones? So you said Milan, you said Berlin, because it is it's it's funny if you how cities change if you're going there for three days, yeah. or if you're going, or if you're living there for like a couple weeks, or depending on how you're traveling through, they really there's cities with a lot of different sides to them. So you mentioned a yeah. and in Berlin, other
1: ones that come to well, mind. I think what, what really skewed me for a couple of years was living in India. So when I traveled to places, places that if I'd been living in the States and went there, I would have thought totally different things about. So like Dubai, for instance, it's not on my list. I, I did really like it because I was going from India. So it was like the closest place with order and clean streets. <laughs> um, and it, I really liked it. And then the more I went, the more you saw sort of like the seamy underbelly and like the weird kind of like slave labor with the South Asian folks working there and the weird class system. So that kind of got old for me. And I think I would have noticed that more if I'd gone directly from the States. Um, I also loved Addis Ababa in Ethiopia um, and we had friends living there. So that, that made it easier and it was gorgeous. There's so many cool things to see in Ethiopia But again, I was going from India, so it's it's hard to really like know how much that skewed my view.
0: Yeah, for sure. And there are I another part of the world that I forgot we were in India, Uh, Mumbai, probably my least favorite city I've ever been to in the world. (laughs) And I mean, you lived there for. I, I mean, that might be on your list. I don't want to spoil it if it is, but I hated that city.
1: Yeah. And you, I mean, you were there in Monsoon, which is the worst time of year to be there, but it's it's a hard city to like. And there are people who definitely love it and Americans who definitely love it. Um, but I think in that case, you're usually focusing on a few aspects um, and you're really, really diving into it because in general, it's a hard place to live.
0: Yeah. I want to throw one more city in there. Go ahead. Uh, before we even get to the list, Jaisalmer was my favorite uh, city in India. Hmm. Now, you know, we only did Rajasthan area in the Northwest, but Jaisamar, not, not really a city, more of a town, but right. I, that was a cool vibe out there. Now, would I want to live there? No, you're living in the middle of a desert. Um, but that was a really unique, really fun couple of days and definitely the best few days that I had when
1: I was in India. So, um, so I mean, on that, I can actually just jump straight into my top 10, which is Delhi. Um, I don't recommend India as a vacation destination. Um, It's a very hard place to live, but I think it's so important for people to see India and understand what's going on there. Um, You know, a a sixth of the world lives in India. It's the world's largest democracy. Um, So many Americans have family in India or are originally from India. And it's just, coming from the U.S., it's such a totally... 180 degree view of the world you know
0: well that is for sure it is a, I think, 180 degrees different yeah
1: and i did not like living in mumbai too much i did not generally like living in india too much um and i think mumbai there's a lot to recommend it for india it's by far the most cosmopolitan there's a lot of good restaurants it's very progressive compared to the rest of the country but delhi i think you know it's the seat of power Um, there's enough of sort of like the rough and tumble India in old Delhi that you can see like the packed streets and like see the sights and sounds, which is a big reason to go there. But then also you have like a Graz very close. You can do a day trip to the Taj Mahal. Um, there's enough of the big government buildings that you can kind of get a sense of the power and the history of India. There's some good museums. And, you know, I think a lot of people go to India and they don't really do it right. Um, I think you need to go and, and spend the money to actually stay in a nice hotel. Uh, in Delhi, there's this awesome hotel called the Imperial Hotel that was an old palace that was then turned into a hotel. So it has that sort of like classic Indian feel, and uh, you're very close to Rajasthan. So there's stuff to see there, and it's not in any way relaxing, um, but it's just such an interesting and important place to see. I think, and you know, I think in terms of like what's going on there environmentally like the state of a lot of people in india it's it's just something that you know you need to see and understand
0: yeah this is shocking to me like literally (laughs) because we you know for as much as we chat i don't think we've ever talked after you were finished your two years in mumbai because when i visited you you had literally just moved in three days so then you had two years worth of experience in india i don't think we've ever sat down and just said like yeah what was your feelings of india going forward um and I, I agree with all your assessments. I mean, you know it way better than me of India and in that, it yeah, it's certainly not relaxing. I especially agree that if you are going to go, I mean, this coming from a frugal backpacking type like myself, um, Nick has a little nicer taste. Uh, Heather enjoys <laughs> traveling with Nick more than she enjoys traveling with me. Let's put it that way. Um, spend the money to stay in nice places because... When you're not in those nice places, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough yeah. traveling when you're out amongst the people, no matter where you are, unless you're completely shielded in a car, just literally driving from place to place. But even then... Um so I agree with that. Yeah, you totally. just get a
1: sailed twenty four seven, so it's nice to have a place to retreat to. And it sounds horrible to say, but it's totally true. It's totally
0: true. I man, I am shocked because we didn't spend any time in Delhi. We just flew into there and then and, went down to Agra. And,
1: and Delhi's not nicer than anywhere else in India, but I think it's it's a good central place to be. Um, it's easier to get up into Kashmir and see the mountains and the Himalayas, which I never got a chance to do, but I've heard awesome things about. Yeah. Um, and so much of India is the countryside. Like the coolest thing to see in India is the countryside and you have a bit bit better access in Delhi, I think.
0: Wow. Well, I like that. That's kicking it off in a, in a really cool way. And I like your thought process behind it. I think we've come at this from, uh, two different angles. Like I came out of like, what did I like?
1: (laughs) Not like what (laughs) impact does have on the world? Um, I think, well, I think a lot of this is me rationalizing India in my head, but I think um, after two years there, I was incredibly happy that I'd lived there. I never need to do it again, but I think it's, it's, you, you learn more about the world and about yourself living in India than almost anywhere.
0: Yeah. So this is like a therapy session for you. So you felt mm-hmm. like you, you had, because of the growth you experienced, you had to put India on this list. Somehow. Yeah.
1: And I think, I think for an American who likes to travel, you need to go to India. You're not going to like it necessarily, but it, it, it you know, you need to experience it. I,
0: I've said this quite often, um, on the podcast and just anyone I talk to about traveling. And it was a quote that I found. I don't even know where, but they said there's two types of travelers. Those who have traveled, those who have been to India and those who haven't. <laughs> and I think that I, I was like, I've oh, never heard
1: of that, but yeah, that makes sense.
0: Oh man. I, I did, I heard it before I went. I'm like, okay, whatever. Like we've been all over Southeast Asia, this and that. And as you know, because we were in your apartment, all three of us were sitting there, Heather, (laughs) myself and you with like culture shock, like those first four days, because we're like, what is happening in Mumbai here? So that quote, I, it sums it up to me so perfect. I'm sure there's other parts of the world, maybe like, like more dangerous parts of the world or, or like living in a hut in Africa, like my cousin Val did, but. Right. As far as being an accessible place, that's really going to change your perspective and be, as you said, 180 degrees different from maybe what you're used to in the States. India is the, the easiest, safest place that you could go and do that.
1: 100%.
0: Man, Delhi. Okay. Well, my number 10 um, is Bratislava. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> and we talked about this on the food episode, but I loved Bratislava. Again, to me, it's everything I want out of Eastern Europe. So, you know, it is an hour from Vienna by train, you know, two closest, two of the closest capitals in the world, but it's completely stark different. Vienna's, you know, super Western European. Um, Bratislava is super Eastern European and I like it for that. I like it for its grittiness. That being said, it's got a gorgeous old town. And it's, it's small, like Vienna's much bigger. Prague is much bigger. Bratislava's old town is much smaller, but it is, I mean, it's as gorgeous as either of those two cities, if not more, and it's really accessible and walkable. And uh, I just, I loved it. You know, I might get bored if I'm there for a couple months because it's pretty, it is pretty small, but uh, the city itself I loved.
1: Yeah, and I think that's, it's one of those Eastern European cities that, you know, it's all like the Habsburg Empire. So they all have that similar feel, similar architecture. So you're there and you kind of – it kind of feels like Budapest, but it's a little bit different at the same time. Um, yeah, no, I like Bratislava. That's a good that's a good call.
0: Yeah, and I, I think, too, it it is a great base. Like if you want a cheaper base than Vienna, right, it's super cheap uh, to then explore the rest of the region because, yes, Bratislava itself might be small. And as I mentioned, I'd probably get bored there if I had to be there like in the city for a month – but there's, it's so easy to get onto the Slovakian countryside or, or go any which way and be in some really unique areas. And I think that next time when I go through Eastern Europe, I think that might be something we do. I mean, we'll go back to Bratislava. We have to go to the flagship restaurant, one of my favorite <laughs> restaurants in the world, best beer hall in the world. But um, yeah, then you can just, you know, it it makes a good place to to kind of fly in and out of or or to train in and out of and then get your bearings from there, I think.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think it's a great call. It's
0: no deli, but uh yeah, Saba, my number ten.
1: <laughs> the deli of Eastern Europe.
0: <laughs> you went to your number nine.
1: My number nine is Hong Kong. So I uh, I went there when I was living in Japan and I think it's just one of those, you know, it, it one of those cities like a London or a Paris that just sort of is this awesome melting pot of the world. You know, it's it's been such a big important city for so long that you get so many different perspectives. Such awesome food. Um, and I was only, you know, basically in Kowloon and on the main island. And, you know, there's so many other little islands to explore. There's, like, surfing there. There's awesome hiking. You know, you get the, uh, you get the awesome infrastructure that comes from, like, British colonial rule, for lack of a better way of saying it. But you also have this awesome, like, you know, edge that, that comes from, from being Chinese at the same time. Uh, I think it's just such an awesome blend of, of different parts of the world.
0: Yeah, interestingly enough, uh, because I've spent more time in Asia, in Japan, and, and then Southeast Asia and China than I have in Europe, especially, and, and kind of anywhere else in the world other than the States, I only have one Asian city now that I'm looking at it on there. And I, I don't know why that is specifically, but I for you, I, I've asked you this question a ton, right? The difference between Singapore and Hong Kong, because like I think in a lot of people's minds they're very similar, right? Yeah. They're like these city states. But you feel very strongly about Hong Kong and, and why you like it, and you've already touched on Singapore. But can you tell people like you've been to both the differences and and what to expect in each of those?
1: I I, I don't know what the the grittiness or what what the difference is. I think there is this this grittiness though. I think it's. I mean that's the worst word in the world. It sounds very loaded, but uh, you know, I think a
0: traveler knows what you mean. Yeah. though, like there's something there that's enticing and drawing you in. And whereas I don't feel that in Singapore, it's like yeah, being I, in an I, it's like being in an amusement park,
1: right? And I think Singapore has gone out of its way to eliminate as much grittiness as possible. And I think Hong Kong fully realizes that it's part of the charm of the city, you know. Um, and gee, I think there's more landscape in hong kong so it feels more dramatic i mean hong kong harbor is as dramatic a cityscape and a and a landscape as you can really get with the you know with the uh the mountains there and and the harbor and the city so no it's beautiful awesome food totally crazy but not quite in the india way you know
0: yeah i've I've googled it many times, like Singapore versus Hong Kong, because it's an interesting debate, and there's people on both sides. And uh, you've been to both. I've never actually been to Hong Kong. I had a friend, Sophie, who lived in teaching. Um, she taught in Singapore for a year, and now she's in Hong Kong. She's been there for two years, so she's a great person for this because she's lived in both. And she says, hands down, like I I would live in Hong Kong for the rest of my life, possibly, and I would never say that about Singapore. So um, I think she kind of says what you've been saying, where there's just more of an underbelly, not that it's like seedy, like or dangerous, really, but that there's just more going on below the surface than there is in Singapore.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think that's a really good way of putting it. You know, Singapore is a little bit sanitized or or heavily sanitized, and Hong Kong, there's there's nothing to, to sanitize it at all. It just is what it is.
0: Yeah, and I love that about Bangkok, which isn't on mm-hmm. my list. And I haven't even mentioned. I mentioned like forty cities. We didn't even get to yeah. Bangkok, but I, I like Bangkok for that reason too. It's 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 easy to get around. It's it's safe. All that kind of stuff. But there is definitely an edge and a grittiness to that. Um, uh,
1: and I think that's, with a number of the cities I have on my list, there there is that juxtaposition, you know? And I think there isn't that in Singapore. It's all just, like, nice, f- like, first world orderly. And Hong Kong definitely has that, but then it also is totally, like, these, like, 100% mainland, mainland China elements to it at the same time, in feeling, at least. Yeah, so, like, I, I love it.
0: We were walking down by the harbor in Singapore, and... You know, it was like a Friday or Saturday night. And so you have these amazing, awesome looking restaurants right in the harbor. You of all the huge hotels up there with their infinity pools. You have everything and there's no one around. Yeah, you feel like you are in a deserted city for the most part, and everyone's like, "Oh, I forget what it was." Like, "Oh, everyone goes out on Friday night, and they don't go out on Saturday night, or something like that." But it was just weird, like for a city to say that. I mean, that's like a, that's like a college town. Like, "Oh, everyone parties on Thursday, Thursday, and then isn't out yeah. on Friday." It's like this is a city. Like, shouldn't people just be yeah. out and about? And all a time? world city too. Yes. You know? Yeah, yeah. So I just was blown away by yeah how. Sterile Singapore felt, and and one of the reasons why I want to get to Hong Kong because you've mentioned it before and, and other friends as well. With that, it's like Singapore, but with an edge, and you have the nice stuff, but you also have that edginess that that I enjoy about Southeast Asia and about Asia in general.
1: Yeah, totally agree.
0: Speaking of edginess, um, this is a funny city. This is a city that I always want to hate, always. <laughs> but then when the more I go there, the more I like it, and I would love to live there. If it wasn't so expensive, and that's San Francisco.
1: Yeah, I have it on my list too.
0: Okay, well, we'll touch on San Francisco yeah. more, but I, yeah, what, I, what do
1: you like about it?
0: I, again, I like that there, there's so many different types of people, and you know, this I don't think it'll ever change totally, but obviously, it's changing some because there's so much money there now that yeah. you have people coming in, but there is still crazy hippies running around there's homeless people there's like pockets of, of minorities and like different ethnic enclaves um, it, there's just so much happening in such a tight area yeah and and you still have stuff you know like I feel like you can easily even though there's a lot of new money and all this tech going going on in in certain areas I feel like a lot of the other areas have still retained the charm even though yeah, it's super like expensive to live there, it. yeah. I, I mean, I guess it's because people like bought their places or, or whatever, you know. So like, unless you're living in one of the new condos or you're trying to buy now, it still feels neighborhoody that people haven't really been fully pushed out because they like it so much. I think they've said like, "I'm staying." I, yeah, you could offer me three million for my house, but you know, I've been here since the '60s. I don't care. I'm staying. Type right. thing. That's and I. That's why I, like I, I think for.
1: for me, you know, I, I've always contrasted it with New York, where I did live for a while. And you know, I came into New York pretty late. Like there were obviously people who'd been there forever before me, but also people who were still there when Manhattan was was gentrifying, and there were places to gentrify in Manhattan. And by the time I got there, like Manhattan basically had been totally like whitewashed for lack of better
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I, especially with the assessment of Manhattan, it is. It's super whitewashed and, you know, you can't even really find places in Manhattan unless you go, you know, there's there's few pockets and now everyone's moved out to Brooklyn and things like that. So, you know, there is obviously New York's big enough that there's plenty of, Oh yeah of not whitewashed, yeah, or not cleansed areas. But Manhattan as a whole, yeah, feels pretty uh, pretty much that way, where San Francisco, similar type thing. Lots of money came in. It's really expensive, but it doesn't feel that way anymore. So yeah, totally agree. We'll talk about San Francisco when it comes up when you notice. That is my number nine. I want to hate it, but the more I go there, the more <laughs> I like it. So like, if by next year, it'll be like eight, seven, six, five. Yeah, so yeah ah uh, and those people they're right you know they always gloat and everyone in san francisco loves Absolutely. it like, just, i want them to be wrong but they're right
1: yeah no it's it's hard to it's hard to disagree with them as much as you want to right
0: so your number eight
1: my number eight is berlin so you got into this a little bit and i think if you do end up living there you'll you'll appreciate it in a different way but it's I don't know, in terms of like 20th century history, you know, I think Berlin is like the ultimate city. It's, you know, the the middle of the Cold War. Um, it's so neighborhoody, so that you go into different parts and it feels like a totally different city. Um, and it has this, this edge to it that's just awesome. I mean, having lived in Germany, the other cities in Germany are either really boring, like Frankfurt, or like sort of fairy tale cities like Munich, you know, where you love it, but it just doesn't, it feels like it exists outside of the rest of the world and berlin it, it has that that german orderliness and it and it makes sense and like you know the food is good the people are nice but then it also has this incredible edge to it that's just awesome you know like the the really aggressive music scene and then there's um there's spray paintings everywhere you know just like people have, have tagged stuff over the years so it, it like a dirtiness in it
0: I, it will rise in my rankings if I go again. And I, I've heard you say that a lot about the German cities that, that you've lived in, like Frankfurt. Like you always hear these cities in Germany, you know, most livable cities in the world. They're always on the list. Like Frankfurt is one of them. But you've always told me, like, yeah, it's livable, but it's super boring. It's
1: dull. Yeah. There's not much to it.
0: Yeah. And, and Berlin obviously is the other way around. I mean, there's a lot going on. And I think anytime one of the, one of the things that draws me to an area or, or I really like areas when they are these, when I have lived through the history. So yeah. that's, that's why like, it's cool to go to like Bosnia and Sarajevo and stuff because you know, we, we were young, but like when the wars were happening there, we were living through it When the Berlin wall fell. We were young, but we lived yeah, through it. You still
1: remember it. Yeah.
0: Right. So to me, it's, it just, there's a fascination there because I, I remember hearing it as a kid and so in your head, you, you, you when you're a kid, you've pictured something in your head because you've heard the name of that city before, whereas a lot of other cities, you, you know, as a kid, you've never heard of, right? Um, right. So I think that that's, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah.
1: And I think Berlin has this charm, too, where you know, so much of Europe was divided, and you, you now see how it's trying to come together and sort of patch up what the Cold War did by dividing this country that had been very interlinked previously and then was like basically two separate places and berlin is is that experiment in microcosm now you know where you're you have eastern europe and western europe and they're a block apart and you still notice it now i mean it's just kind of incredible just to see the juxtaposition of of west berlin and east berlin even even today i mean obviously it's 20 or 25 years have really changed things but you still feel it.
0: Yeah, and I like being there thinking like this city isn't what it's going to be. Like you said it's yes. going to change, it's constantly changing and that's a cool feeling to have when you are somewhere. And I got that after being there. Like I've literally spent 3 days there and I felt all that. So, um yeah, it's pretty in your face and I, and I like that. Um Agreed. My number 8 is a is another European city that starts with a B but it's basically the opposite of Gritty, which is the where we keep using edgy Berlin. And that is the quaint city of Bern uh, oh. in Switzerland. And this to me, uh, you know, we've been talking about all these cities and why we like them. And there is this underbelly. I mean, Bern is like a postcard, uh, like a picture <laughs> postcard. You know, it's 100,000 people, but it's the seat of. Uh, you know, it's the capital of Switzerland, so it's not its biggest city, but it's, you know, it's where the government is. And typically where the government is, that makes like kind of boring cities, at least sometimes, you know, if, yeah. it, if, if that's the reason the city exists and the only reason. Um, but Bern, I just, you know, for, for me, it would be an awesome place to live because it is so, Perfect. I mean, now it's, it's pretty expensive. That's the one downside. But when we traveled there, when we were doing our show, um, when we were filming the Swiss TV show, we were only in Bern for a day. And it's funny because Bern is kind of looked down upon what, what they told me about the people who are living there, kind of looked down upon by the rest of Switzerland, like Geneva's got all the money and, and, or, or and Zurich or Geneva and Zurich have all the money, you know, then you have like the really cute mountain towns and then there's like Bern and they are like they say, like, everyone in Bern is slower, is what they, they call it, the word that they were using. And they're Like, the pace of life is slow, and they, they call us slow because they think we're stupid, and this and that. But really, <laughs> we just love this city, yeah. and we, why would we want to leave? And, I mean, it was just, it's small, really compact, really easy to get around. Ro- but what I loved about it, so they have the RA River, which runs literally right up to their government building. Like, imagine you could <laughs> float in a river right up to basically the front of the White House, and that's yeah. what it is. And people just, and they have, it's a great park on both sides then. So people come during lunch and what they do is, you know, in the summer and all, they'll come and they'll pack their little their, their work clothes and they'll grab their bathing suit and there's a really there's a free uh, swimming pool and bathhouse there too and they'll just jump in the river they'll float down the river they'll get out and they might do that like two or three times just to cool off or to hang out they have a picnic at the park and then uh, they float back down the river they hop out they change and then they go back to work like yeah. that they'll do that on their lunch That's break
1: so European I love that yeah
0: so I I loved it I mean it it was just it was so relaxing. Like, they're right. Yeah. It is slow, but it's so relaxing. Where else can you be in a capital city of a major country, especially one is, as influential as Switzerland? So you oh, have yeah. diplomats and really important people coming through a lot because, you know, a lot of conferences there. And it's just so mellow. It's yeah. so chilled out. So I, I loved it. I, I would live in Bern um, for sure. And there's another Swiss city on my list. Wow. Um, I know. Surprising. But Bern, yeah, I, I liked it. Have you ever been?
1: Yeah, I, I just for like a day. Uh, I have, I sort of have the same relationship with Switzerland that you do with San Francisco, where it's I just want to hate it. Um, I think initially I wanted to love it, and then I, I I love it. I think it's a gorgeous country. There's so many interesting things going on, um, but then just like the Swiss themselves have gradually <laughs> pushed me away. I think. Um, but I this I there are parts of Switzerland I love. Like I do like Zurich a lot. And I love Basel, so I lived in Germany, really close to Basel and went there pretty frequently and it's it's a more it's a grittier Switzerland, I know that sounds stupid, but like you know there is an edge there it feels like it's lived in, and so much of Switzerland just feels postcard perfect to me um and I really like the Italian part of Switzerland too, but that's yeah see a separate I did conversation I,
0: I didn't love Zurich and I've never been to Basel, but Yeah, for whatever reason, burn, like I don't typically go for those types of places that are perfect. Like we're talking like they actually are perfect. Yeah, except for that case, I'm like, I'm this is how I know it must be awesome because I'm willing to throw like that out the window and be like, all right, if it really is perfect, sure, why not?
1: Yeah, exactly. Cool. All right, what is
0: your number seven then?
1: So number seven for me is Musket in Oman. Um, okay. Which, very yeah, which,
0: interesting.
1: So, I, again, along with with sort of what I was saying about India, I, I I think the Middle East is a is a, I mean, sort of rightly so, but I think it's a very underestimated travel destination, especially for Americans. I think Europeans have a slightly better idea of of what there is to see and do there. But it's such an awesome place, and the people are the most hospitable, nicest people on the face of the earth. The food is fantastic, and Oman, I think, is is like the best destination that sort of marries like the traditions and the um, the awesomeness of the Middle East in general with the accessibility and, and frankly, the safety that you know an American traveler would look for. Um, so the city itself is is gorgeous. You know, it's right on the ocean, so uh, there's awesome beaches there. Um, but then right behind it, there are mountains and wadis and the open desert. So you can easily drive out into the mountains and like see these awesome old traditional Arabian forts. Um, it's a very orderly city. It's a very clean city musket. I don't know how living would, would be there. It might get a little dull in time. Um, but no, it is a place to visit for a week. It, it was really fantastic. and. Sorry.
0: This is exactly why I call you my best traveled friend, and why I don't think I'll ever catch up. Because I I have not been to the Middle East at all, and I think you're right. Like it is to anyone I talk to who has been and traveled around, or even just to one area, it's always like, man, it's so underrated. Like it's such a great place to travel to. I hear amazing things um, about Iran, and basically anyone I've talked to who's traveled quite a bit says Iran is one of the friendliest, nicest places yeah. in the world.
1: Not that I've been there, but yeah, it sounds awesome.
0: Right. And so it seems similar to what you're saying then. And obviously they're, they're right next to each other for the most part, um, Oman and Iran. So yeah, I never would have imagined Musket. Like I wouldn't have even been able probably to tell you the main city in Oman. Um, so I just think you have me beat, man. I just have ah, to admit defeat here. That's all I wanted. That um, It sounds fantastic. Awesome. And looking at it, like even just on a map with, with the Gulf there and the Arabian Sea, like just a fascinating part well, of the just world. Just do
1: like Google images of Oman, and it's just striking. I mean, you like you have palm trees and these like totally barren mountain ranges that are right next to each other. And then the mountains go right into the ocean. Um, and then on top of that, too, I think there is a lot of like European and other Middle Eastern money that has trickled in there for the tourism industry. Um, And, you know, I don't, Oman doesn't necessarily have a lot of its own oil money, but, you know, the oil money from Saudi Arabia and the Gulf has come in as these people have come there on their own vacations. So they had these just like five, I mean, it sounds stupid, but even like the six star hotels, like the uber classy hotels um, that have their own private beaches and like six or seven restaurants. And, um, you know, you could never afford it unless you use points to stay there or something like that. (laughs) But we did, and it was awesome. Um, there you go. Yeah. So, no, it's, it's, it was an incredible place. I was really happy we got to go there.
0: So, I'm wondering, what are your thoughts? Because, I mean, looking at the region, right? And I always mm-hmm. have to do this because I I couldn't even tell you what is exactly next to each other in the Middle East. So, I pull up a Google map, right? And we're talking about it. that's why I can sound smart right now because <laughs> I have a computer in front of me. But, um, you know, I think it's kind of cool that it's shielded, like that part of the world is shielded at least from American tourists in a way, because, you know, you have Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iran, Iraq, you know, all that in the region. um, And I think that's cool because it's going to take a, a while for that to become... I, I kind of look at it as like Vietnam and that part of the world for my parents. Like my dad said, it's so weird to me to think that <laughs> yeah, we would right. be going to Vietnam. Like he was just saying, I think if I could go anywhere in the world, like Vietnam would be it because it doesn't make sense. Because when I grew up, it was like you wouldn't, I mean, you never imagine going there. Do you get the sense that the Middle East might be like that for like the next generation or our
1: kids? I, I could totally see that. And I think, you know, the problem is that so much of, or actually all of we hear of the Middle East are the problems. So you hear about like Libya and you hear about Iraq and you hear about Iran um, or like Yemen now, which has really gone to hell too. But then like, a country like Jordan, which is in the middle of all of this craziness, is still like totally peaceful and gorgeous. And, you know, you can go to Petra, which is one of the most beautiful places on the place of the earth on the face of the earth, or like go to Wadi Rum and go out into the middle of the desert. I mean, you can do that in Oman too. There's just such you know, it, it's it's a place unlike anywhere else on earth. And I think it's it's really worth going to.
0: Yeah, I, man, I'm, now it's like, I'm not going to be sitting in this house in Phoenixville with the snow around me for very long. Um, <laughs> I got to go to Georgia to eat. Now that I got to head down to Oman. I Yeah, I think it is. I see, I mean, it's not going to happen overnight. That's for sure. Luck, hopefully, yeah. and, and luckily it won't. But I, I could see in 20, 25, 30 years where it's like, oh, yeah, there's a great backpacker trail through like the Middle East and the Gulf. Yeah. And you're like, as us who grew up during a time where we were at war, they would think, like, what are you talking about? Or, yeah. oh, Pakistan's this crazy tourist destination because it has stuff that's unlike anywhere else in the world. And I, I guess for us, it'll probably be that. Whereas, oh, yeah. like, my dad is like, why the heck are you going to Vietnam and Thailand? Like, wh- what, are you, what are you doing in that sorry? Yeah, what are you trying to do? Yeah. Right. So...
1: Yeah, right. And I think as these countries, you know, they're incredibly wealthy countries now, but they're going to need to start diversifying soon as oil prices stay low or as oil dries up in general. So it'd be interesting to see what they invest in in terms of tourism.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I like that musket is not like a Dubai or It's a not. It's like the anti-Dubai.
1: Yeah. You know, like Dubai feels like a, you know, Middle Eastern Las Vegas. And I mean that in the worst way possible. And <laughs> I think musket is the total antidote to that. So it's definitely worth going to.
0: All right. No, put it on the list. My number seven, not as um, exotic, we should say, or as um, kind of off the wall as that, but somewhere where I know that you haven't been because no matter how well-traveled you are, I'll always hold this over you until you <laughs> go there. Uh, that is Porto in Portugal. Oh. And, um, I had been to went to Lisbon and Porto. Uh, both are fabulous cities. Porto, I just liked a little more. It was... A little more. They call it like the working class Lisbon. It's smaller. It's just cool. It's just cool. It's beautiful. You know, you have the uh, the river that cuts through it. On the other side um, of Porto, you have the, where all the uh, the port wine is made. I cannot remember the name of the city on the other side of the river, but basically, it's it's Porto Light. Um, I think it's Gaia. Yeah, Gaia. Um, and it's just I don't know. You've got you've got these hills. You've got really awesome buildings. You have got beautiful bridges. You have incredible food and it's a big enough city you know you have a university there so there's a lot going on but it it is it's a lived in worked in city so it's not just for tourists you know where sometimes you go to some of these other cities i mean like a barcelona for example which is awesome uh, supposedly i've never been but um but you know like you almost feel like okay there's a lot of tourists here that's cool porto has tourists but it's it's a little more off the beaten path and um there's a whole living aspect that's going on day to day. But that's really neat. So Heather and I just we really liked Porto a lot. I mean, we really liked Portugal overall. It's one of our favorite countries. And I just thought Porto was my favorite part of Portugal.
1: Yeah. And I my sense never having been to Portugal is that, you know, it's this awesome country that has all of the other, you know, great things that Spain or France would have, but it doesn't have that reputation to live up to you know, like they're very content just being themselves. And, and I think, you know, at least writ large for France and Spain and Italy and Germany and most other big Western European countries, they feel like they have this thing they have to live up to, certainly when it comes to tourism. And my sense of Portugal is that it's not like that at all.
0: Yeah. It's almost like, yeah, we'll definitely accept uh, tourists. We'll make it great for you, but we don't, this isn't what we're gunning for. It's just a, They're living their life. It's cool. It's fun. It's a little cheaper than Spain even, which is obviously then substantially cheaper than France and, you know, and Holland and and Scandinavia. So like, it's cool because it's, it's got that aspect where you're not going to spend an arm and a leg. And it's really, really laid back. And I mean, you know, speak at portugal in general but you have awesome beaches all up and down the coast which i haven't had enough time to visit but everyone when i say oh i really like portugal they're like oh where'd you go i'm like lisbon and porto and then we went up the uh, algarve um and like oh you got to go up i forget what it is, the silver coast or gold coast whatever it is like got to go up the outside and i'm just like oh really like oh yeah you missed that so i just seems like there's a lot to do in a really compact package
1: yeah, no. no I, I, it seems like you know. I like the Iberian Peninsula in general for that, but it seems like Portugal, especially, you get a little bit of everything
0: for sure. So Porto's my number seven. Ha ha. So you you said musket. Ah. I've never been there. You've never been to Porto. I guess we could call it even. <laughs>
1: Not really. Um, you're number six. My number six is San Francisco. Um, okay. So I think, especially you know, being married to Marissa, who lived there, I've gotten a different perspective uh, on it over the years. Um, But I just love how it's this perfect blend of, like, America, sort of Latin America, since it's in California. And then, you know, it's on the Pacific Rim, so you have all of Asia there as well. And I think that really comes out in the food. Um, And one of my problems living in Washington now, and I talk about this with Marissa and other people all the time, it's so hard to get good quality food in Washington at, like, every different price point. You know, it's either really expensive or it's very niche. And San Francisco, like New York, is one of those cities where, like, everything's good. You can walk into a local sandwich shop, and it's fantastic. Or you can go to, like, Chez and and it, it's also fantastic, you know? So it's, it's food of all kinds um, from around the world at every price point, which is so hard to beat. Um, and then you tackle on the fact that it's in the middle of California, um, generally has pretty nice weather, certainly coming from, like, the East Coast. And then has this you know weird funky vibe to it. I just love that. I
0: man, yeah, I know, I know. You're right. I mean, because and, uh,
1: the sad thing is they know it too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. The sad part is no one can afford to live there anymore. Um, but tack on all that with this entrepreneurial stuff is really, really happening here. You've got some really, really smart people who aren't taking themselves near as seriously as like the Wall Street banker, right? Exactly. Yeah. So it's cool because yeah, they're smart and yeah, they're kind of stuck up and sometimes really stuck up, but they're at least like, t- I feel like in San Francisco, everyone who's there is then taking advantage of the lifestyle that it lends itself to. Yeah. That's y- a good point. You know, they, they're, they're not like, oh yeah, I'm here and I'm just going to work all the time. Like they, they do stuff with it and they appreciate it. I feel like they appreciate it more than, than a lot of people like us who who live on the East coast cities where you know, you're in a place, but you might not really be using it to its fullest potential. I don't get a sense that people in San Francisco are like that. I feel like they're out doing stuff and living it and enjoying it. And uh, yeah, they know it, but it is, it's an awesome city. And it, it's, I, I like that it's really accessible as yeah. well. I mean, you know, not that you can get everywhere with public transport, but. Um, easily walkable. It's, yeah, not, it's not like super LA or sprawling, one of those, right?
1: You know? Yeah. And I think also too, you know, I, I like the outdoors. I like to be outside. And you have awesome parks there. You like if you like to mountain bike, there's fantastic mountain biking there. If you like to surf, there's good surfing there. Tahoe's like three hours away, so some of the best skiing in the world is right there. And then you have like all of Napa and all this you know, it's there's so much going on just in that little area. It's it's really hard to beat. And then they actually have sports teams that win. So on top of all that, you actually have some like decent stuff going on at night too.
0: I'm literally weeping over there because I I want to move out there. Like I do want to, I just can't. Like I'm not, you know, I want to move out there and then you're like, do I really want to pay $3,000 to be in a studio apartment? Not really, but it is, I mean, it's, there's a reason that everyone's doing it because all those benefits... If you can be the most expensive city in the United States, you know, and that and New York, go hand in hand. But I feel like at least New York has some places you can go that might be a little cheaper because now Oakland's just blowing up as as well. If you can, like, have people dying to move in, even though it's so obscenely expensive that everyone knows it's obscenely expensive, you're obviously doing it right. Yeah, that um, says it all. Oh, man. Oh, San Francisco. All right. Well... I don't know. Maybe we'll just... Why don't you just get a posting there somehow, man? And then will pay I for your house. there's
1: housing. a passport agency there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, I'm going to stay with my number six on the west coast of the United States. But we're going to go north a little Ooh. bit. And we're going to head to Portland, Oregon. Oh, man. Um, I... That is a town or that is a city. Um, I think if I had to pick where I wanted to live in the U.S., um, San Francisco would be one of them if I could afford it. Um, Portland is another place that I've spent a decent amount of time now in, Up, uh, you know, at least probably all total like a month and a half. That's and, a lot. Yeah, a lot for just kind of going through, right? And, um, I just love it. It's, it's zany. It's wacky. It's everything that Portlandia shows it is. <laughs> um, but the people are really nice. It's, you know, again, one of those things, like you always want to hate hipsters and hate on it, but then you're like, no, they do cool stuff. There's great coffee. There's great <laughs> they beer. Have a point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I just, I like it a lot. I find it really fun. The food is great. The food truck scene is cool. Um, like San Francisco, there's a decent amount of nature around it. So like you can go out to Multnomah Falls, you know, you can, you can head inland. You can go up to, you know, Seattle and then, and then, you know, Vancouver and that area with, with all the nature up there. I, it's just a good mix. The the two downsides, I guess, the only reasons I wouldn't really love it are are the weather. Which coming from Philadelphia, I mean, people are like, Eddie, "Have you can't ever play spent too much?" Yeah, they're like, "Have you ever spent winter in Portland?" I'm like, "No," but I spent it in Philadelphia. It's not as bad as that. So, you know, and I plan to be on Thailand in in the winter anyway. So, I I just like it. Um, I guess the other downside is the fact that you're that close to beaches, but you can't really swim. Like that, I hate on the Pacific Coast. Uh, on the west coast, that the Pacific is so cold. Just how cold that's, it is. Yeah, yeah. because that I love fair. I love being around water. I love being at beaches, but like if you can't swim or if you need a wetsuit, that that really takes a lot of the luster off it for me. So that's the one kind of big drawback for me.
1: Yeah, I could see that, and I've I've actually never been to Oregon, despite having ah oh, uh, look at this lived in Vancouver and lived in Seattle a bit too. Um, but I I. I uh, I think if there's a place in America that fits my like mentality, it's the Pacific Northwest, at least the coastal Pacific Northwest. Maybe not so, too far inland, but you know, it's it's a it's sort of what you were saying about San Francisco—just that like laid-back vibe. I mean, certainly work culture out there—you notice the difference. You know, it's it feels like it's, it's definitely still American, obviously, but it just has a very very different sort of feel to it.
0: And and that's one reason I, I really also love Boulder. And I we kind of mentioned it at the top of the show, but Boulder is just, I, I don't like as much as Portland because Portland's like bigger and there's a little more going on. But Boulder too, it's, it's, it's that people are appreciating what they have. Like you have this beauty on your doorstep and everyone's out and about and doing it. And, you know, they're hiking and they're biking and they're taking advantage of it. And I really like that because coming from the East Coast, you know, I think we can make this statement. we We're from here, right? You don't see people really taking advantage of it. Because to be fair, the, the nature's there, but it's not so in your face. I mean, how can yeah, you compete not. with like the Rocky Mountains, right? So um, it, it's just, I don't know, it's more of a slog, I think, to to kind of get out and have that active lifestyle where you're the exception if you don't have it in some of these areas that we're talking yeah. about, which I like.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think I not to de- defend the East Coast too much, because I do, I think, like the West Coast generally more. But I think growing up, certainly in a place like Philadelphia, where you can ski within two hours and you can go to the beach within two hours. And basically, none of it's great, but every kind of outdoor activity is open to you, you know?
0: Well, especially if you're growing up as a kid whose parents have a beach house and a mountain house like you, I mean, hey. Uh,
1: That's the life of a <laughs> Pennsylvania teacher. But, um, but no, I, I think, you know, it's, everybody we knew growing up went to the beach in the summer at some point, you know, and... I think, yeah, you know, I, I think that that is a really cool part of growing up there that you don't really realize how lucky you have it when you're a kid.
0: Yeah, there is a bit of the grass is always greener mentality yeah. when you're going to a place and spending a couple of days or a week or even a month there versus where you grew up because it gets to be old hat. And um,
1: Except for people from the West Coast. They all seem to agree that that's better. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. So maybe it's just better. Um, Heather and I actually did a podcast. Uh, we're going we're gonna to wrap this one up because we're going to go into our number five to number one in the next episode. But Heather and I did a podcast on the East Coast versus West Coast. It was the only podcast we've never prepared for at all. And we sat down and I just said, let's do a debate. Which do you want to like... Argue for right, and um, she, I believe, argued for the East Coast. I argued for the West Coast, and it was fun because we didn't do any planning. We didn't think of it. We're like, just like, let's give our gut reactions. Obviously, we spent a lot more time on the East Coast than the West Coast, but we've both been to the West Coast fair a fair amount, and um, it was fun. It was like there are two sides to it. I I tend to still believe that like the West Coast is better, but um, yeah, it was it was a fun and interesting debate because it is so different. That's yeah, what's it fascinating. Really is. And that's, and then you have a whole part of the country that we haven't even touched on, you know, like basically
1: (laughs) what part is that
0: the rest of it? right? (laughs) um, So thank you guys uh, for listening to this again. We're going to roll right into um, our top. Now we're each of us going to our top five. So lots of cool cities still left. If you're listening to this live, when it comes out, um, you'll be able to get it later on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Jabbercast. Or if you're listening to this a little later, then you can roll right into it with us. Um, You can always get all the show notes that we mentioned at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. And if you want some more podcasts, if you like this one, um, again, Nick and I did one, European Countries Ranked by Food. So that was not that long ago. We debated um, which ones were the best, and we took a Thrillist article, and they ranked all 48 European countries. You kind of picked holes in that. Um, and agree that we were smarter than them. Uh, or <laughs> Except where they were right. <laughs> Except where they were right. Uh, we also did Best Winter Destinations in Europe. That was episode 110. And we talked about our favorite travel books in episode 97 and 98. So if you're binge listening to this podcast, as I know a lot of you do, and as I usually do with podcasts, those are some other ones of our favorites that Nick was on as well. Quick shout out to our sponsor Tortuga. Head to tortugabackpacks.com. Use the promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P all capitals. That will get you 10% off your order there. That's the backpack that I always use, as you guys know. And last but not least, if you want to hop on our email newsletter, and this is really important because we're going to be starting a new podcast where I answer your specific travel questions. So maybe you didn't really want to know the top 10 cities in the world, but you listened anyway. You can give me your travel questions, tips and tricks. It's a, going to be a short version of a podcast, under 10 minutes every episode, really quick snippets on travel hacking and packing and things like that. Um, So hop on our email newsletter list so you know when that goes live. You can text PEANUTS to 33444. So just text PEANUTS to 33444. That will get you on the email newsletter list. Quick and easy, cool piece of technology there. I don't know how they do it, but it works. Um, Thanks, Nick, for coming on. And uh, we're going to keep recording here. Sounds good. All right, guys. Thank you for the continued support. As always, thanks for tuning in today. And until next time, happy free travels. I'll show you Paris